Thank you again for listening to our podcast today. Thank you so much for your support. We worship on Sunday at 10 a.m. here at St. John's Lutheran Church in the heart of downtown Martinsburg, West Virginia. Know that you're always welcome to our table and to our worship. God bless. And we hope you enjoy today's message. I tried really, really hard this week to incorporate what I thought was one of my best sermon titles ever into my sermon. Our treasures, matey. I tried everything to try to figure out how to put this into the sermon where it doesn't sound cliche-ish or just weird. I even thought about preaching from the perspective of a pirate today. Couldn't figure it out. Could not figure it out at all. So this is one of my favorite sermon titles, and I tried everything. Could not figure out how to get it in. This text, though, it reminded me of a podcast that I was listening to, a Dave Ramsey podcast the other day. My wife and I did his Financial Peace University uh, last summer. And since then, we have paid off all of our credit cards. We paid off our van as of Friday morning. And now we're focusing all of our attention on our student loan debts, which was pretty much the majority of our debt. And hopefully, they'll be paid off in December 2021. Last year, our target payoff for our student loans was 20 years away. And now we're just a year and a half away from having them paid off. So needless to say, I listen to a lot of Dave Ramsey. I believe a lot of what he says about finances to be true. Though he said something the other day on his podcast that, that kind of part, sparked my attention, got my ears perked up, made me, got under my skin even a little bit. The caller called in to a show to ask about tithing. And since Dave Ramsey based a lot of his financial principles, a lot of his financial beliefs on the Bible, he, he actually could make a comment about this. So he said tithing was just something, though, that evangelical Christians do. Let me be clear. Tithing is not just something evangelicals do. It's something that all followers of Christ should be doing, or at least striving to do. Jesus is very concerned about where his followers are invested. And I'm not talking about Morgan and Chase. I'm talking about our priorities and how much faith you're willing to put into God to provide for you. Our Lord talks more about money and stewardship than anything else in the Bible. More than salvation and more than the cross even. Because we cannot change the fact that our Lord died for our sins and grants us salvation. That fact cannot be changed. But how we treat each other and how we express our faith in God, i.e. stewardship, is just as important, if not more important, as followers of Jesus. Are we going to be like the rich fool? Or are we going to leave everything behind and follow Christ's example? When I was forced to ordain, I remember talking to John forget John's last name, but he was the funeral director of Little's Funeral Home in Littlestown, Pennsylvania. And he was, he was telling me how he had to start hiring off-duty police officers to work funerals. Because many families would get into fights. Anyone guess what those fights were about? Money, yeah. Inheritance, the family farm. Yeah, I was stunned. I actually didn't believe John. I thought John was just blowing out proportion. But as, as I've gotten matured in ministry, I've, I've found it to be the truth. So much so that I've, I've told my mom and dad to just give all of their money away, that I don't want anything to come between my brother and I. The request before Jesus seems to be a request that's older than time. Tell my brother to give me my due portion. Though Jesus dismisses the man's request because he's not a judge or arbiter. Jesus probably realized that this man is making requests out of greed, and Jesus wants no part in satisfying the greed of the younger brother. Jesus could have taken on the role as judge because Moses often filled this role in ancient Israel, according to Exodus 2, 
14, in Numbers 27, verses 1 to 11. And the law is clear about inheritances. According to Deuteronomy 21, 17, the elder, bro- the elder brother would receive a double portion of the inheritance. And in Numbers 27 and 36, the father had no sons. His possessions were to be divided among his daughters. But his daughters were then required to marry within the family, father's tribe so that his possessions would not leave the tribe. This encounter in Luke 12 appears to be a younger brother wanting more than was given to him. And Jesus wants no part of the man's greed. Jesus was not looking to debate whether the law of Deuteronomy and Numbers is fair. To be a disciple of Jesus means we put such things as greed behind us. Material possessions do not matter in the long run because food, food molds. Houses fall down. Cars break down. But our place in heaven is secure. And that is the only thing worth preparing ourselves for. So Jesus tells a parable about a rich fool. Now let me say this about this fellow. He's not a fool because he's rich. He's a fool because of how he acts and what he thinks and believes. Notice how he speaks. He says, what should I do? For I have no place to store my crops. I will do this. I will build, pull down my barns and build larger ones. And I will store my grain and my goods. He is a fool because he thinks all about himself. He doesn't think about the widow in his community who could use a little extra help. He doesn't think about the kids in his community that are starving. He thinks about himself and about how his abundance can benefit him in the future and only him. That's what makes him a fool. But there is one more thing that he says that sheds light on the part of his character. And one of what I think the loneliest statements I've ever heard in the Bible The rich man says, And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, drink, eat, and be merry. He can't even have this conversation he's having with any other person. He has to do it with his own self. He has nobody else in his life. Seems he has spent his entire life working to amass a large quantity of wealth. And has chosen nobody to join him. No friend, no spouse, no family, nobody. He's a lonely fool. Just happens to be rich. And I'm not saying that we need to be married in order to find happiness. We do that in many other ways. I just can't imagine going through this life without even just having a friend to talk to. How lonely this poor man must be. And he can't even see how pitiful his life truly is. There is no one else in this story. Just a man in his possessions until God speaks to him. Can you imagine going through your entire life, praying for God to speak to you, and the first time he says something to you, he calls you a fool? Poor life choices. Don't be like this guy. No sooner has he envisioned his future than God speaks to declare what the future actually holds for him. There is no mention that this man has put any of his wealth aside to God. Where does this man's faith lie? Does it lie in his ability to plant crops, manage a business, handle workers? Does he even believe in God? Does he believe his success is rooted in God's overabundance or in his own ability to do the work? This fool is a fool because he doesn't believe in God. He only sees and believes in himself. In a sense, he believes that he is God, and his fortune is proof of that claim. In his mind, he is worthy of divine praise and adoration. 
But we know he's not God. He's nothing like God. This parable shows us that the kingdom of God is filled with abundance far beyond our imagination and planning. God gives to all people, even rich fools. And as Dave Ramsey often says on his podcast, you need to live like no one else so that you can live and give like no one else later. Our holy calling as Christians is, is to be good managers as, over what God has given us and see that what has taken a lifetime of mass can be taken away in a blink of an eye. This man has spent his entire life working to amass a large fortune, and now this very night his life will be demanded. His possessions take his life from him. But then who do they, be, who's do they become? He presumed all along that he could hoard the bounty of the harvest for himself, but now whose will they be? This man will die and nobody will miss him. His fortune will rot away in barns, and nobody will benefit from the food he has worked his entire life to produce. How is this world going to remember him? But what do you want written on your tombstone? Remember that commercial from the 80s? This parable holds up a mirror before us and asks us to take a good look at our inner lives and listen to our inner voices. To wonder how we want to be remembered. As one preacher once said, you don't want to pass Elijah funeral, right? Do you want to be remembered as a lonely fool? Do you want to be remembered as a generous person who went above and beyond to care for the people around you? The Lord is demanding that our lives not be rooted in greed and self-desires. Christian disciples are to be generous. Christian disciples are joyful, joy-filled givers. They care for the community. They do not isolate themselves from the people around them, but see themselves as an integral part of the lives of people in their community. And you don't have to be rich to be generous. I have met many people who have so little and yet have made sure they share God's abundance with others. Don't get me wrong, I have met really generous rich people as well. I've also met really stingy poor people. But that's not the point of this parable. This parable demands that we look at ourselves, whether we feel as though we are rich or we are poor, and decide what is more important, amassing a large fortune that nobody will ever get to enjoy, or sharing the joy of community and family. Spending our entire life isolated and alone, or spending it with people whom we love and love us in return. To be remembered as greedy, to be remembered as a greedy old man or woman, or to be remembered as a generous person who gave of their self each and every day of your life. As disciples of Jesus, we do not have time to get bogged down in greed. Jesus doesn't have time to settle family disputes over whether or not something was divided fairly. Notice this man who came to Jesus and say, My brother withheld my inheritance. Luke wants us to see that the younger brother received his inheritance. He just wants more. And what does it matter? The fight will forever divide himself from his brother and his community. The younger brother might make himself richer, but he will forfeit his life in the end. It will be no different than the greedy, lonely fool of the parable. The opposite of a follower of Jesus. So I ask again, what do you want written on your tombstone? What do you want people to say about you after you, after you die? Is the preacher going to have to lie? And think carefully about these questions because God has demanded that as followers of Jesus, we must be different. 
So be different. Be weird. Don't do as the world does. Do as Jesus did. Leave everything behind. Follow him. And be so generous that the world will miss you when you're gone.